This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. And joining me, as always, is Brett, Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. What's up? You have such a long name. Too many names. It's three names. Brett, Wolfie T, Mr. Positivity, Sex Machine. <laughs> Like that guy in uh, From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. Tom Savini's <laughs> character. Or uh, Eddie Guerrero's old tag team partner who may or may not have been a rapist. Yeah. Then they called him Sex Machine after that. And the father of the twins in Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that part? Vaguely, now that you bring it up. <laughs> our mom says our dad is a real sex machine. <laughs> Who I've is his daddy and what does he do? <laughs> I've only seen Kindergarten Cop one time, but it, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a stay tuned for uh, movies we grew up with. Well, it got canceled, remember, because it's transphobic. Because the. Uh, Boys have a penis and girls have a vagina. Yep. It, well, maybe it's just in Portland that they did that. Probably. I, I can't remember. But maybe it, it was just in Chaz. I think it was going to be, yeah, it was going to be uh, uh, screened in like Portland or something. And then some group <laughs> said, no, you can't, you can't play that hate speech in our town. <laughs> Oh, what else is new? You uh, get in your last trip to the movie theater for a while? Well, I haven't been to the theater since, uh, what was the last one I saw? Bill and Ted, I think was the last one. Because I went three times. I saw Tenet, Bill and Ted, and, uh, oh, uh, Unhinged. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking about going to see Freaky, but... I don't know. I was, uh, didn't really get it into my schedule the last couple of weeks when it was out. And then uh, theaters are shut down in the state of Minnesota for four weeks at least. Mm-hmm. Run a pause. <laughs> you sure are. Although I got in to see Freaky. Let's see. Well, today's Monday, the 23rd. Yes. And uh, so it would have been two Saturdays ago. So opening weekend for Freaky, I guess. Yeah, I, I think, think it was opening weekend. Yeah, I was going to see that. And then I, I was thinking of going to see the, uh, what is it called? Let Him Go with Kevin Costner. Oh, yeah. I got and, decent reviews. And I think I'm going to lose out on some of my rewards vouchers from AMC because I can't go fucking use them 
probably before the end of the year. I won't be able to use them. So they're going to lapse, huh? So, but the good news is I got an email saying that they're not automatically renewing a list until March 1st now. So that got pushed back. It was originally December 1st. Yeah. And you won't have to go to the theater to see Wonder Woman since you and I both have HBO Max. That's true. It's uh, included in our HBO subscription. I did notice that uh, Xfinity updated their HBO on demand to HBO slash HBO Max on demand. But HBO, yeah, but HBO Max is coming soon to X1. So they must be getting a, an app on the X1 Mm. cable box for it. Uh, but it's not there yet. So you can't actually watch HBO Max on there. Like there's some movies that are listed on there that aren't listed as free. They're like on HBO Max, but you can't watch them on demand through Xfinity for free because they're not on the HBO portion of HBO Max. Yeah. Huh. But that'll be super convenient because I've, having to use my PS4 to watch HBO Max now because it's not on Roku. Yeah. I think they got it on Amazon's uh, device. But uh, the Roku, Fire Stick? I, is that what they have? I think so. And then I think Roku is still holding out. It's only a matter of time. You would think. You would think they would have figured that out like way before they launched it. You'd think nobody's buying Rokus anymore. I, I don't know. I thought, I think Roku's are pretty popular still. Still though? People are still buying so. them? I bought one last year. With the uh, you know HBO Max not being available and whatnot. You can get Disney Plus on Roku? Yeah. Oh, that's all right. I'm sure it has Amazon Prime. Doesn't have Shutter though, I bet. I don't know. I don't have Shutter, so I haven't really looked for it. I think it does. I think it does have Shutter. So, do you think you get the Criterion channel for it, or Criterion, uh, whatever the Criterion streaming option is? Probably, yeah. All right. Well, either way, it's not looking so good for theaters right now. If we can get the vaccines out there to the people, well, maybe we'll start uh, going back to the theaters in mass. You know, they got those vaccines out, you know, about two days after the presidential election ended (laughs) here in the States. Just bad timing for Trump on that one. (laughs) Technically, they weren't out. They just announced it. Yeah, it's a really, really good vaccine. And then a week later, there's another company that's like, we have an even better one. It's 95%. And then the first company's like, wait a minute. Ours is 95% also. I don't know where you got that 90% figure, but we are also 95%. Yeah, it's going to take a while for movies to come back. I could see a lot of them going to the streaming options now. But, I mean, you can't do that for all these big tentpole movies. Well, yeah, you think all have to go to the theater. You think all the money into the budget, like you're not going to make that back with on demand. Like if you got to charge people like $30, you're not going to get the same kind of audience as you would if you put it in theaters. You know, that's going to, you know, push some people away. 
And then if you put it on like just a regular, you know, monthly subscription service, like you're not getting nearly as much as you would if you went to the theater with it. I forget which studio is behind the Bond movies now because MGM's kind of basically only involved in name since they don't have any fucking money. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's Universal or uh, Paramount or something like that. But uh, they were looking to possibly stream the next Bond movie. However, um, like Netflix and HBO Max, like they couldn't really come to an agreement because whatever studio it is was asking for $600 million <laughs> for the movie. <laughs> Because you think it probably costs two hundred fifty million to make, spend another two fifty mil on marketing, so they wanted to make a hundred mil in profit, versus if they would, you know, if there was no COVID, movie would make close to a billion dollars. Uh, right. Skyfall made over a billion, Spectre made a little under a billion, I believe. But well, with that Bond movie, they've been running trailers for that for over a year. Yeah. For almost two years now. Yeah, it was supposed to come out uh, last April. And then they pushed it to this month. And now they pushed it to, <laughs> I think, next April? Something like that. Is maybe it that? May. I was thinking it was towards the end of next year they pushed it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I forget. But speaking of Bond, you... uh completed the movie challenge for on her majesty's secret service this I episode i did watch that movie and i will be talking about it later <laughs> maybe we should uh get into our recently seen what did you see clarice what did you see so i guess i will go first since you did the movie challenge and let's start with freaky i saw freaky the new 2020 film directed by christopher landon Starring Vince Vaughn, Catherine Newton, Celeste O'Connor, Misha Oshirovich, Emily Holder, Nicholas Stargle. That's not all about do it. Oh, Alan Ruck is in here from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, isn't he doing all those Amazon garage commercials now? Uh, possibly. He was Cameron, right? He was the yeah. best friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can't remember. He's doing some other commercials, but I think he's doing the one where Amazon will let their drivers into your uh, inside your garage to deliver your packages because they're so trustworthy. Hmm. All right, synopsis. After swapping bodies with a deranged serial killer... A young girl in high school discovers she has less than 24 hours before the change becomes permanent. Dun, dun, dun. So we get a slasher movie mixed in with Freaky Friday. And you come up with Freaky. Did you see the hot chick? I did not. Oh. <laughs> Rob oh. Schneider is a stapler. <laughs> I'm tempted to switch my movie challenge later then. <laughs> the movie was hilarious. Uh, so yeah, uh, Freaky starts out with kind of a typical horror movie, cold open, with Vince Vaughn just massacring a 
a group of youths at some mansion. Bunch of youths. Yep. On horrifying ways. Bunch of yaz, young adults, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's like a typical horror movie. And he ends up uh, stealing some weird ancient knife from this rich people's home. And uses it later to stab the uh, main character played by Catherine Newton. And it's what allows them to switch bodies, unbeknownst to Vince Vaughn. Right. Or Catherine Newton. Wake up the next well, day and they've switched bodies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was Adam Sandler and Dreadlocks playing the bongo drums in the corner real ominously? He was not. That all makes sense once you see the hot chick. (laughs) I'm sure it will. (laughs) So yeah, Vince Vaughn wakes up as a teenage girl. Teenage girl wakes up as a 40-some-year-old Vince Vaughn. And hilarity ensues, or at least it's supposed to. So uh, first off, Vince Vaughn was really good in here. I'm a fan of Vince Vaughn. He's done a lot more serious work as of late, which has been pretty good, like Dragged Across Concrete and Brawl in Cell Block 99. He's really good in both of those. So this is uh, another comedy where he's, you know, he's Vince Vaughn. He's typically, back to his typical uh, Vince Vaughn comedic self, and he's pretty good in here. But he gets to play a teenage girl. Mm -hmm. The role he was born to play. (laughs) Uh, The other... Performances are okay, I guess, you know. Nothing really stood out. They weren't bad, but it seemed like, you know, a lot of people could have done it, I'm sure. But, you know, they, it was, they were fine. Uh, I guess I was just disappointed. Like, there's a, a good run of about 10 minutes in there where they're really playing up the, you know, the, the body switching comedic elements. You know, like she's waking up and it's like, oh, it's, you know, weird peeing standing up and stuff like that. And right. it feels weird to have, you know, balls and dick hanging there. <laughs> like there's a good 10 minute span where they play that up quite a bit and it's pretty funny. And then they just kind of like, yeah, we're done exploring that. Oh, yeah. We'll just make it go back to maybe some more comedic kills and things of that nature. I mean, they, they, they play homage to different horror films throughout. Um, but I was just a little disappointed that it could have been a lot funnier than it was. So in the end result was it's pretty mediocre. I mean, if you're into this type of stuff, you'll have a good time. But I don't think it's required viewing. So I will say it is a last resort. That's a last resort. What did you watch recently, Brett? I gotta say before I go on, if you want to see more of that exploring the body <laughs> differences, <laughs> uh, uh, the hot chick, <laughs> the Rob Schneider. <laughs> That's like the whole movie. <laughs> Anyways, I watched a movie that's related to our last episode. It's from 1994. It's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Ooh. Directed by Kim Henkel, starring Renee Zellweger, Matthew McConaughey, 
Robert Jacks, Tony Perensky, Joe Stevens, Lisa Marie Newmeyer, Jason Harrison, Tyler Shea Cohn, uh, James Gale. Related to Wayne? I don't think he's related to Wayne. American Maniacs host? <laughs> Although this came out the same year. <laughs> uh, that's, that's probably enough for the main cast there. Synopsis, a group of teenagers get into a car crash in the Texas woods on prom night and then wander into an old farmhouse that is home to Leatherface and his insane family of cannibalistic psychopaths. So this movie, there are scenes that pay homage to the original. Um, I believe it was written and directed by the, the Kim Hankel, or it was written and directed by Kim Hankel, who I believe was the writer on the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh, I don't know, I was reading that he didn't care for the two previous sequels, so he wanted to get kind of back to the original, but also mm-hmm. bring it into the new the next generation, if you will. That's blasphemy, though. He didn't like the second one? <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently he didn't like the second one or the third one. I can understand the third. But, but yeah. The second? Come on. <laughs> and I also read, after watching it, that it was a bit of a satire about, like, modern-day horror movies, of, you know, the time that it came out. Mm-hmm. Um. But there's uh, there's a few scenes that are definitely homages to the original that are very very similar uh, in a lot of ways. But the story itself is pretty different. So instead of being on a road trip and stopping at their old uh, you know family home and uh, kind of stumbling across the uh, the house of the murderers, if you will. It starts off at prom night and these four high schoolers get in their car and they leave prom and they're get, you know fighting with each other and they end up in a uh, car crash in the middle of the woods because they were looking for a place to turn around and just kept going down this fucking one lane road into the woods. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they they kind of stumble back into a... Uh, office of like a real estate agent who calls up the tow truck driver who turns out to be Matthew McConaughey and Matthew McConaughey is kind of like the the main he's kind of like the head of the family and he really is uh, psychotic and homicidal and he's got a like a uh, cyber it's like a redneck cybernetic uh, leg <laughs> Like, like he's got like a brace on his leg and then it's got like, it's like hydraulic. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, it's like hydraulic uh, <laughs> operated for some reason. And then there's Leatherface. Leatherface is, uh, I don't know, he's got like a curly mullet. It looks really weird. Like it's, he looks very, <laughs> like the only real resemblance between this Leatherface and the original is it's a big fat guy wearing like a skin face like a skin mask. Um, it's very noisy. Leatherface screams like a child through the entire movie. Uh, <laughs> just a lot of noise. 
I just couldn't believe how noisy this movie was. Whereas, like, in the original, you know, we talked about how there was very little, like, musical score. And there's a lot of, like, they just kind of let it breathe and use, you know, unusual instrumentation for the, the actual, like, score. Mm-hmm. This movie's got, like, a hard rock music throughout. And it's just loud and obnoxious. The uh, the motivation for them killing their victims was uh, kind of out of left field uh, and very different than in the uh, original where they're presumed to be cannibals. So I mean, it throws a real wrench in it uh, when there's this twist at the end. Um, Overall, it's, you know, if you like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, you might want to watch it for completion sake of the series. Like I said, there's homages to the original that you might like. And uh, Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger are actually really good in it. Renee Zellweger especially is really good as the, uh, you know, the final girl. And uh, Matthew McConaughey is a very believable psycho but the story is not very good and the uh like i said the motivations were confusing so overall it's not one you need to see but it's not you know one that you're gonna necessarily hate so i'm gonna give it a wtm last resort that's a last resort all right yeah, I don't remember much about it. I remember being kind of forgetful, but um, yeah, I'm interested to watch it again, give it another chance. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I mean, it's not it's not very good, but you know, it's not necessarily you know something you're gonna absolutely hate yourself for watching. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm gonna go back to 1976. With the Omen, saw the Omen for the first time. Interesting. You have have not seen that before. No, not even the remake. Directed by Dick Donner, starring Gregory Peck, Lee Remick, Harvey Stevens, David Werner, who you would know as the uh, ooze doctor (laughs) or ooze scientist in Secret of the Ooze. Uh, Billy Whitelaw, Patrick Troughton, Martin Benson, Robert Riddy. Synopsis. Mysterious deaths surround an American ambassador. Could the child that he is raising actually be the Antichrist? The the devil's own son? Question mark? That's the synopsis. It's two questions. Have I got a spoiler (laughs) for you? So yes, it starts out with uh, there's so the ambassador's wife has a miscarriage at birth, or the baby doesn't serve. There's some sort of problem with uh, the birth, and so they kind of pull a switcheroo on her, and just kind of <laughs> just kind of fit an orphan baby in there. And the husband's in on mother's it. Mother's not. Yeah, husband's in on it. Mother's none the wiser. But apparently, that's the devil's offspring. 
And it was in Rome, right? Uh, some of this is yes, or mostly in Rome. It starts out in Rome, yeah. And what was the, the date of birth? Um, was it June 6th, I think? It was like 76? It was like 6666 like or something like that. Yeah, maybe it was 66. Either way, because he's an American ambassador uh, to the United Kingdom. Yeah. But he was in yeah, Rome when they gave birth. And yeah. But anyways, uh, people start dying in mysterious and horrific ways all around him. Starts with the uh, the nanny, I guess. Yeah. And then other people uh, important to, I guess, figuring out the devil's plan are dispatched with one by one. It's like final destination before <laughs> final destination. <laughs> So that was kind of the uh, gist of the kills in this movie. But uh, yeah, I uh, really liked it quite a bit. Um, it's definitely worth your time. Like the performances, it's, you know, always fun seeing Gregory Peck in something, especially a horror movie. <laughs> a little different seeing him in a horror movie. The kid was, was solid, good score, you know, good scare, especially for the time. Um, so, yeah, I will recommend this. I will give it an eventually. Eventually. Yeah, I can't remember if it's the second one or the third one, but one of the sequels is almost unwatchable. Well, I bought the Shout Factory uh, collection. Oh, yeah. So it has all, it has all five. It has the first four and then the remake. Okay. The remake is with Liv Schreiber and maybe is it Naomi Watts? No, it's um, Julia Stiles. Okay. I haven't seen the remake. I've seen I've seen at least the first two. I can't remember if I saw the third one. And Pete Postlethwaite is in it too. I've not seen the fourth one. The fourth one I think he's grown up and he's a politician. No, that's the third one. That's the third the one. The fourth one is a completely different. It's like it's not Damon anymore. It's it's some um, girl that is the new Of course it's a girl. Offspring, offspring. Of course, it's, it's from girl. like '91, I think. It was a 3.9. Then I'm. Then, then I haven't seen the. IMDb. Yeah. Then I haven't seen the the uh, the third one. The second one is pretty bad. Yeah, I've watched the second and third. Second one uh, wasn't. Uh, I didn't think it was horrible. It's not good. I'd call it a last resort. Yeah. The third one about the same. Sam Neill's Damien grown up as a politician. It's kind of, you know. Cool scene, Sam Neill, young. <laughs> <laughs> so it came out in like 81. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's not very good. And then I haven't seen the fourth one yet, and that one looks pretty bad. <laughs> there is a very uncomfortable sex scene in the third one with with Damien, <laughs> Sam Neill, having sex with his lady. Oh, I bet. A new girl he's dating. Oh, boy. Uh, speaking of uncomfortable, my next uh, movie is from 2007. It's called Death at a Funeral. Mm. Directed by Frank Oz, starring Matthew, McFa- Matthew McFadden. It's M-A-C-F-A-D-Y-E-N. That y- oh, you didn't watch the Chris Rock version, huh? Not yet. I might. <laughs> that, I was looking at the, the Chris Rock version. Like I've heard it's not as good. But like the cast is fucking amazing. It's like uh, Chris Rock, Tracy Port, no, 
Tracy Morgan. Um, Danny Glover. James Marsden. I've seen it. Yeah, but it's like every, like Kevin Hart's in there. Like every like major and, uh, black comedic actor from the time is in that movie. I remember Kevin Hart being pretty funny in there. It's one of those roles where Chris Rock plays a serious, like straight laced guy and his talents are just wasted. Yeah. Because you don't want him to be a dramatic actor. You want him to be funny. I feel like he's Chris fucking Rock. I feel like that's all his roles lately, too. I know. Although he's watched in top five recently, and he's decent. I mean, he's, he plays kind of himself, he plays like a famous comedian in that movie. And, and he's kind of funny. He's a little more, he's going through like a midlife crisis kind of, mm-hmm. but he's still pretty funny in there. Did you hear that Chris Rock has some kind of autism where he can't process like nonverbal language or nonverbal cues really? or uh, like tone? Like he can only uh, process like the actual words that are being spoken. So he, he doesn't understand like sarcasm or like people that are lying to him. He can't figure it out. It just it takes really? them all at face value. Never heard that. I saw something about that a few months ago. I didn't read the article in full, but yeah, I thought that was a, a strange affliction that he apparently has. Hmm. But anyways, the cast of the 2007 version has Matthew McFadden, who is on Succession on HBO, uh, hmm. Peter Dinklage, Unit... Uh, Ewan Peter Dinklage is in the remake too, right? I think so. Yeah. Ewan Brenmer, who was in Train Spotting, uh, Keely Haas, Andy Nyman, Daisy Donovan, Alan Tudyk, Jane Asher, Chris Marshall, Robert Graves, Peter Vaughn. That's probably enough for the cast. Synopsis, chaos ensues when a man tries to expose a dark secret regarding a recently deceased patriarch of a dysfunctional British family. This movie is literally a comedy of errors. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, you know, it's an ensemble cast and it's, it's one of those movies where like everything that could go wrong is going wrong at the same Mm -hmm. time for like every character. And it's pretty funny. It's a little bit of British humor, I guess, but it's, you know, mostly uh, just funny. Like one character mistakenly takes a hallucinogenic drug uh, that he thinks is a Valium. And uh, it affects him pretty severely throughout the uh, the funeral. Oh, I should say they're gathered at a funeral for uh, father who had died so it's you know like his son is kind of running the show and then mm-hmm. his other son shows up and they're arguing about who's going to pay for the funeral and this and that and then the reverend is trying to get everything on track and on time and they keep pushing him away and telling him well, five minutes five minutes and then there's another uh, group that shows up uh, with one of the older, uh, like the uncle of the deceased, who's a very elderly man in a wheelchair, and everything goes wrong with him. Uh, there just happens to be a little person at the funeral that nobody 
knows who he is or why he's there. And he's there to cause some problems. <laughs> and, you don't say. And so uh, a lot of the movie is kind of set out around trying to keep him quiet uh, so as to not ruin the family or the funeral. And uh, like I said, it's pretty damn funny. It's, I, I don't know if I would say it's like laugh out loud funny, but like it's, uh, you know, start to finish, you got, you're going to have a pretty good uh, grin on your face. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one of those movies. And then there are a few really hilarious moments uh, throughout as well. So I was thoroughly entertained. It was uh, very rewarding, I guess. So I'm going to give the original Death at a Funeral a WTM eventually. Eventually. All right. Last film I'm going to talk about is from 1993, Kronos. You heard of Kronos? I think so. Directed by and written by Guillermo del Toro, starring Federico Lupi, Ron Perlman, Claudio Brook, uh, Margarita Isabel, Tamara Shaneth, Daniel Jimenez Cacho, Mario Ivan Martinez, and uh, Farnicio de Bernal. Synopsis. A mysterious device designed to provide its owner with eternal life resurfaces after 400 years, leaving a trail of destruction in its path. Yeah, like 400 years ago, some alchemist came up with this device where it's about the size of a baseball, I guess. It's like a golden beetle, but it has a mechanism inside that allows it to kind of move and act like a beetle in a certain way where it'll, if you kind of turn the crank on it or push a button, it'll latch onto your arm or hand and a stinger will come out and sting you. Mm-hmm. And then that makes, basically gives you eternal life. I make you younger or, you know, or virile, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's some sort of disaster uh, where like him and this device and everything's like buried or like the, the whereabouts of the device. It's all like buried in like some distress. I can't remember if there was like an earthquake or what happened, but everything's lost. And this old guy, this Federico Lupi or Lupi uh, runs like an antique type shop or like a clock shop. And it's the device is hidden in one of these clocks that he has. And uh, Ron Perlman works for an older guy that's dying of cancer and has been seeking this device to, you know, not die for quite a while. <laughs> and so this guy finally figures out what he has and what it is. Meanwhile, Ron Perlman is doing everything he can to get the device. There's some good suspense in here. It's kind of a body horror film. It's not traditional horror, but body horror, yeah. I mean, if you know what I mean by body horror, maybe like uh, I've heard that phrase thrown around. You know, like the fly or usually Cronenberg scanners or. So I I think I've only heard it to describe David Cronenberg. 
Yeah, basically, most of his films are all body horror. Existens. <laughs> I haven't seen that, but yeah, I know it's a Cronenberg. I hated that movie. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> but uh, it's funny. I was like, this is the oldest movie I've seen Ron Perlman in. And there is, uh, it takes place in Mexico. There's Spanish in here. There's English in here. Um, it's kind of both. But it was weird seeing Ron Perlman kind of young, but I looked it up and he was 43 at the time for when the movie came out. <laughs> yeah, he's, so he's probably about 42. Yeah, he's pretty old now. He's born 1950. And this came out in 93. But I was just amazed at how ugly he was <laughs> in the movie. Because, <laughs> I mean, Rob Perlman's always been a, a unique-looking guy. Yeah. But I have to say, you know, he's gotten, his looks have gotten better with age, I think. But, I mean, that says something about what he looked like in this movie. He's also the villain and whatnot, but I don't know, he's just such a, he does such weird features. And it's like, it's like distracting to see him. <laughs> He doesn't have makeup on. It's you know, like he's not Hellboy. You know, he's right. not playing one of those characters. But does he wear a velour tracksuit? <laughs> no, he just wears like a lot of regular suits in here. <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't drive yeah. with, his, with his bad accent. <laughs> uh, but he uh, he was good in here. The special effects were fun. So that there was some good suspense and uh, body horror type stuff. I would definitely recommend it. Uh, I will give it an eventually. Eventually. So you completed the movie challenge for a Bond classic. Many people's favorite Bond. I wouldn't say most, but you say that, a lot of them, yeah, it's their favorite. You've said that for every one that you've given to me. <laughs> Not every one, just... Just a lot of the early ones. That's kind of like what it is. After this, like, there's only a few movies that are people's like favorites. For like the next eighteen of them. <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely unique in many ways, and this is probably one of the only Bond movies where you actually have to kind of avoid spoilers for this part until we get into the uh, the additional commentary after we kind of wrap up the show. Yeah, so it was 1969's On Her mm. Majesty's Secret Service, which is a very long title for a movie. It's a very long movie in general. <laughs> it takes its time. It's very leisurely in its pacing. Mm. Directed by Peter R. Hunt, starring George Lazenby, Diana Rigg, Telly Savalas, Gabriel, Gabriel Ferzetti, Elsa Steppet, Lois Maxwell, George Baker, Bernard Lee, Bernard Horsfall, Desmond Llewellyn. I don't know. I think that's enough for the cast. Synopsis, James Bond woos a mob boss's daughter and goes undercover to uncover the true reason for Ernst Stavro Blofeld's allergy research in the Swiss Alps involving beautiful women from around the world. Sure does. 
yeah, definitely a switch up at the James Bond role, going from Sean Connery to George Lazenby. Sean Connery. John Stamos's father. <laughs> this is a prequel to Never Too Young to Die. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sean Connery is like the like the ultimate alpha male. And George Lazenby's James Bond is a little bit of a beta. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> I think it's super meta in the first scene before the credits roll even. <laughs> they sure do. There's a... <laughs> He's like following a woman to the beach and she's just like, you know, she's doing that old suicide thing where you just walk into the ocean, <laughs> slow ocean <laughs> until it takes you away. And he saves her and uh, he's got to fight off some goons or whatever. And she drives away and he looks right in the camera and goes, this never happened to the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> hilarious <laughs> so, so yeah a little cringeworthy too but depend it depends on how you take it but a little bit so for some bond pierce it's definitely pretty cringeworthy <laughs> how dare they break the fourth wall <laughs> i was like i guess you gotta acknowledge it well you don't have to acknowledge it but i guess if you wanted to do it that would be the way to do it yeah but that's never happened to the other fellow <laughs> But then, like, it's like he ends up more or less stalking this woman. I don't know. They make it seem like it's a little bit coincidental, but they meet up later. And then he kind of, he starts to try to woo her and then she kind of gets away. And then it turns out her father runs some kind of like criminal empire, but he also has a very lucrative, like legitimate construction business. So like it doesn't make a lot of sense why he's still in the criminal enterprise. Because <laughs> he could go legit and still be just as well off. And uh, he teams up with Bond. What was the deal? So Bond was, uh, he wanted Bond to marry his daughter. <laughs> because Not necessarily. I mean, that's a goal. But he, basically, he wants somebody to screw his daughter silly. Yeah, he wanted somebody who could dominate his daughter. I need somebody to fuck my daughter. <laughs> it's like, what? Fuck her into submission so that she'll be subservient to men. I believe the actual quote was, I want somebody to make love to her enough that she will fall in love with them. <laughs> so, yeah, he's pimping out his daughter. Because <laughs> it's the only way to save her, Brett. She's suicidal. <laughs> Well, she had been married, and then what? Her husband died, or something like that. I forget. He was like a, he's like an Italian ambassador or something. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. I don't remember for sure. But, and then what? What Bond in exchange? He's like, okay, I'll fuck your daughter, but you got to give me the news on Blofeld. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. <laughs> so Bond, he like. He's been AWOL from the, the, the service forever, I guess. He, like for a long time, and he goes back, and they tell him he's off the Blofeld. Well, no, they say it's been two years because he hasn't been able to find Blofeld in two years. So they're like, "You're off the case." Yeah. And then he says, you know, he tries to quit, but Money Penny changes the 
request yeah. and changes it to two weeks off. Which he was just off for two years, you know? <laughs> well, he wasn't off, though. He was just ineffective at his job. That's because he's just going around to casinos and hotels <laughs> and hooking up with random chicks. <laughs> so, Blofeld's hard to find. I'm telling you. So anyway, Blofeld, they eventually figure out where he's at and what he's doing because he has a very poor uh, pseudonym that he's working under now as the... Uh, Oh, what's his title? He's the... Uh, the Count? The Count. He's like the Count of like Blofenstein or something like that. Blufelzik or something. It seemed, it sounded like some Eastern European it's, name. It's Blofeld. Russian name. Yeah, it's Blofeld, but instead of E-L-T at the end, it's got some other... Bolshevik or yeah. some weird, something like that. And so Bond goes undercover to kind of you know, undermine the operation. But I think he said it was his mother's maiden name or something. <laughs> his mother and his father must be related because that's a very common sounding name. <laughs> Not common as it, but like they sound similar. All right. But anyways, Blofeld, he, <laughs> he figures out it's Bond pretty quickly because Bond is a shitty spy. <laughs> Although he makes more of an effort in this one because he uses a fake name and a, he assumes the identity mm-hmm. of somebody else. And then, you know, fireworks. He does some spy work in this one. I really try to pay attention to, like, if he does real spy stuff in here, and he does. Yeah. And, you know, action and fireworks, and they're in the Alps, so he's got to do some ski stunts and bobsledding and shit like that. Uh but overall, you know, I don't think this one was, uh, you know, uh, one that I enjoyed as much as maybe some of the others. Hmm. I just, I didn't like the uh, Lazenby Bond as much as the Connery Bond. And even the Connery Bond, I didn't like that much. But I don't know. There's a lot of just time between the action scenes where it doesn't seem like he's really working on the case. Did you get the itis? No, actually, I was well-rested when I watched it, so I got all the way through. I was thinking, Mike, because I kind of did. There is a, I will admit that this movie is too long. It's like two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. And there's a spot in the middle there where it's very slow because it's like, okay, they're working on stuff for allergies, and his big <laughs> scheme is to, like, I don't know, basically poison food supplies and things like that and like wreck the world economy. And yeah. This is actually the uh, only Bond book I've read. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been several years since I read it, but I mean, it's similar, but yeah, they were, at least in the book, he was going to, you know, wreck a lot of the food supplies around the world. I can't remember if the world economy was a point of focus in the book but it kind of is in the movie. Yeah. But yeah, it's just weird. Like you have all these women, uh, which we'll get into later about the the types of food that they're allergic to. (laughs) But uh, yeah, you can, you can finish. I was just going to say, it's kind of slow for about a good 45 minutes to an hour, like in the middle. Cause I think the last 45 minutes is like pretty much go, go, go. Yeah. The, The end is all action the last act um there's also a montage where they go horseback riding (laughs) 
with Louis Armstrong. All the time in the world. <laughs> no, but I think this was uh, a step down from some of the other Bond movies. Uh, not one that you necessarily need to see. I'll give it a last resort. That's a last resort. Disagree. <laughs> Why, is this your favorite? When you say this <laughs> to some people's favorites, are you talking about yourself? Uh, it's not my favorite. But it's definitely in my, see, there's 24 Bond films. I would say this is definitely my top 10. Probably at the, more closer to 10 than, than one. But Well, it might be in my. Probably at like eight or nine. It might be in my top 10 too. I don't know. I've only seen about six or seven of them now. <laughs> it's in your top eight so far. <laughs> I, this isn't a genre that I go out of my way to watch. Like the British yeah. spy, super suave, you know, sophisticated, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, what's the word? Uh, you know, the, you know, upper crust just snobby just wealthy looking guy he's always Mm -hmm. wearing tuxedos and you know women go after him and you know he's very you know sophisticated it's not a genre that i go out of my way to watch very frequently so and that's not to say like the movies are necessarily bad it's just like this movie i like you know it's not one where I'm like, oh boy, I'm glad I watched that. Uh, I, you know, now that I see what I was missing, uh, I'm so excited for the next one. It's like, well, it was okay. You know, it was, it was decent enough. It wasn't boring too bad, but it's just not a genre that I, you know, that I watch a lot. You're going to watch it until you like it. <laughs> but I'm going to give you a break from Bond for a little while. Like, uh, when, when you catch your kid smoking, you know, you make him smoke the whole pack. <laughs> sure do. <laughs> Which both of us have done to our kids. <laughs> God rest their souls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're, uh, we're kidding. We don't have kids. That's the joke. <laughs> yes. It's a challenge. So, uh, yeah, now we get to the movie challenge for next time. What are you going to challenge me to? As much as I want to challenge you to watch The Hot Chick after today's episode, <laughs> I might save that for a later date. Uh, I was going through Netflix to see what is on there, and I saw a documentary from 1999 that I had seen years ago and I kind of want to watch again. So I'm going to make you also watch it. It's called Beyond the Mat. And it follows uh, several professional wrestlers throughout the mid to late 90s. Oh, I thought this was about like Matt Damon's early life or something like that. (laughs) Matt Damon. (laughs) Beyond the Mat. No, but it follows primarily uh, Mick Foley, Terry Funk and Jake the Snake Roberts, as well as a few other uh, wrestlers who are in it in more of a minor role. Yeah, I've heard good things about this documentary. So it's very well done, very interesting. Um, and then uh, it still gets referenced on like Twitter and stuff to this day, uh, some parts. So, so I wanted to watch it again, so I'm going to make Eric watch it too. 
All right. Well, now we'll kind of wrap up the show and then we'll get into some more spoilery talk about on Her Majesty's Secret Service. So you can reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie or Brett at positivelywolf1. You can uh, check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. And Brett, we all, I almost forgot. Tell us about what's going on with uh, your podcast, Positively Wolfy Podcast. New episodes, and I'm sure we'll play a we'll throw a promo in here too. But let's know what's going on here and the stuff at Teespring. Well, Positively Wolfy Podcast, we're back to doing weekly episodes. So far, so good. <laughs> it's uh, unqualified commentary on allegedly real news. So every episode we have three articles that I pick off of the internet, which are real news stories from real news outlets. But they seem like they might not be real stories. And then we talk about them, maybe get off on some tangents, maybe say some funny stuff. But it's a lot of fun. Go ahead and check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. And then uh, if you want merchandise for WTM, you can head over to teespring.com slash stores slash WTM watch this movie. And if you want to save 10% off, use the promo code canceled with two L's. And your podcast has their own merch site as well. Sure do. It's uh, also on Teespring, teespring.com slash stores slash Positively Wolfie. We don't have a promo code on that one yet, but uh, mm. you can check that out for merch related to my other podcast. So is are all your prospective sales going to crash now that there's a vaccine? Because you have so much mask inventory. Although with the lockdown shirts about mask enforcement officers, with all the lockdowns coming back. Now would be a great time to get your mask enforcement officer merchandise. <laughs> and then you can really let people know. I read a article the other day about some guy who was out in the park and uh, there were a couple of women running on the path and he approached them and uh, yelled at them for not wearing a mask and then he pulled down his own mask and started spitting at them and yelling that he had COVID and that he had tested positive. So I'm sure they would have complied if he had been wearing a mask enforcement officer mask or t-shirt mm. or hoodie or fanny pack. <laughs> All available on the Positively Wolfy Teespring store. Mr. Positivity Wolfie T here to tell you about the Positively Wolfie podcast, where we provide unqualified commentary on allegedly real news. Join me and a co-host as we provide a non-serious take on silly, strange, or just plain dumb news headlines and stories. Look for me on Twitter at PositivelyWolf1 and find the Positively Wolfie podcast on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. All right. Well, let's get into some more Honor Majesty's Secret Service talk. So watching this movie again was quite a joy for me because there's at least six or seven like 
big gut busting laughs I got out of this movie. <laughs> just hilarious. First of all, the like the first one was inappropriate. Well, I guess maybe the first time I laughed was that meta scene in the beginning because it's ridiculous. Yeah. But so much of this movie is ridiculous, like more so than other Bond movies in that it's almost like it's played more straight, but what it is is more ridiculous because it's like the allergy thing and it's like it's not like it like they play it really straight, like it's not a joke, but you're the thinking like that sounds so dumb. <laughs> right. <laughs> But the uh, yeah, the first time I got a big laugh was, you know, Bond comes into the office and he does his usual hand tossing thing to let Money Penny know he's there, mm-hmm. and then he proceeds to sexually assault her in the office by grabbing her ass. <laughs> he really grabs her ass, and she was like, "Ooh!" <laughs> I was like, "Jesus!" That was like worse than, like, okay, Bond's always flirted with Money Penny, but it's always. You know, they never seal the deal. Like they don't cross the line like that. And like, you know, I think Connery's even like sat on her lap before or had her sit on his, like other stuff that's inappropriate, but I don't think he ever grabbed her ass. Oh yeah, they go uh, much farther in this movie than <laughs> in the other ones that I've seen. Like it's pretty intense. Like the interactions between Money Penny and Bond. And even like we're in spoilers here. You know, he gets married at the end for some reason. <laughs> and then, like, Money Penny's just like crying because he's like, he's not going to fucking sexually assault me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, now that those are his hat, though. Now, <laughs> a nice moment. Now that he's a married man, he's going to have to play it straight and he can't, he can't finger me in the office. This is in the book too. So this was one of the, I believe one of the earlier stories. So this has like more connotations for Bond as a character. Yeah. And why he is the way he is with women because of this. There is a a Bond movie in the future with Roger Moore. I forget which one it is, but he visits her grave hmm. in that movie. Like, so, like, oh yeah, he had that wife that died. Fuck. <laughs> Should bring that up again. <laughs> Is the love of his life. So it's like, that's why, you know, she's dead. So now he doesn't really, you know, give a shit anymore uh, about trying to find love. He's just going to mess around with these women to get information or for his own, you know. Just for, uh, just for fun. Just for fun. Just for shits and gigs. Yeah, I was thinking that. Like, this would have made more sense if it was, like, the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> like... It doesn't make as much sense after he's been a womanizer for, you know, five or six movies or whatever it's been. And then all of a sudden he's just like head over heels smitten by this one woman. Yeah. Casino Royale is the first, I believe is the first book, the first story. And, uh, you know, they don't, I mean, there is uh, an old Casino Royale, but it's not canon bond. It's, a weird comedy with like David Niven, I think, and Woody Allen. Um, God, who else is in that? It's a really shitty movie is what it is. <laughs> it's a terrible comedy. I thought it's about, yeah, I've, I've thought about watching that from time to time, but now that you say Woody Allen's in there, I don't know if I can do it. And it's not well, even. Peter Sellers is in there. And Peter Sellers is good in what I've seen him in, but 
uh, there's there's multiple Bonds in this movie. There's Sir James Bond, and I think Woody Allen plays like a little Jimmy Bond or something. <laughs> it's weird. I think Woody Allen also plays like multiple characters. But it's like Orson Welles is in there. <laughs> it's a nut. It's a nuts movie. I remember I saw it a long time ago. It was just horrible. I mean, does Woody Allen actually play multiple characters, or does he just play himself with different names? <laughs> it's a good point but yeah i mean the the cast is incredible and there's also ursula andrus is in here you know in addition to dr no but um there's that part with muddy penny and then some of the lines in here now you could tell lazenby isn't as good an actor as sean connery yeah he's a bit wooden i would say i think he's fine as bond but yeah he's definitely not one of the better bonds in fact he might even be the worst uh, bond of them all probably but i think his uh this movie that he was in was a lot better than most of the other bond movies in general so i think that kind of picks up his stock if you will as bond but um some of the lines are pretty good when they're like he runs into basically the fembots right. <laughs> at the uh, at the what do you call the facility, the center, the allergy center. <laughs> um, so they're all they're all trying to fuck basically, and they're having dinner, and the one <laughs> reaches under the table and she writes her room number on his thigh with lipstick. Yeah, because he's wearing a kilt for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, what he wearing is is hilarious enough in this movie. Sixty nine, you can tell this movie came out in sixty nine. Well, he's supposed to be a genealogist from the university, mm-hmm. like he's assuming the guy's identity. Well, it's all about heraldry, you know, heraldry. <laughs> so he comes downstairs in that kilt and that. Uh, What's what is this? What do they call him? They call him. Uh... Should he's got like oh like Hillary Hillary or Hillary Bray? Yeah, like why is his name Hillary? Because that's uh, an English name, I Isn't guess. Not a girl's name. <laughs> Sir Hillary Bray. I, I assume the name Hillary, accompanied by the kilt, is the reason why all the women that he tries to seduce later go. I didn't even think you liked girls. <laughs> yeah. And the way he acts around everyone, especially early on. He's very uh, uh, nerdy. So he's like yeah. really uh, involved in his studies and explaining genealogy to everybody. And and they're all groping him. He's trying not to pay attention. But it was funny when uh, as she writes the number on his thigh. And I think it's Irma Bunt. He's like, oh. Uh, and she's like, something okay? Or feel well and he's like oh just a slight stiffness coming on <laughs> right like there's some killer lines in here in my shoulder <laughs> stiffness in my i think it's gonna go away pretty soon <laughs> tell us about us how'd you like how he smoked cigarettes <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was an interesting way to to, to hold the cigarette <laughs> Like, if I know one thing, that's how cigarette smokers hold their cigarettes. <laughs> that's very natural. Born without earlobes, apparently. 
Well, he admitted he cut him off, so he fit the uh, description. Yeah. <laughs> Took him about two seconds to find out who James Bond was, and then he's like, we're just going to lock you in this room for a while as James Bond fucks up his, his security trying to push him in there. Yeah, he does give the reason why he's keeping him around for a while, but I missed it. I don't remember. Because like, he, say, he says something like, well, that'll make it value, valuable for you for us to keep you around for such and such. Oh. I forget. I didn't want to go back and rewind because it doesn't matter. It, doesn't, right. it never matters. Every movie, they, even if they have a reason or not, they're keeping them around for him <laughs> to escape. <laughs> who was that blonde haired guy who kept following him around? You know, he got caught trying to climb up to the mountain, to the, uh, the research base. Uh, he was uh, somebody who was helping him from, uh, I think, Drago, the girl's father. Because he's the guy who helped him. Remember when they he broke into that safe at that office? He's the one who put the equipment in that crane loader thing. Right. And then they hauled it up there. But they never introduced the him. Safe. Like, nobody, like he yeah. just shows up outside the office of the, uh, the, mm-hmm. the lawyer. Well, you can tell they're working with... Uh, with Drago or whatever. I guess that makes sense because he was working on the construction site. Yeah. And they did say the guy owned the construction company. Mm-hmm. But he was just... See, Brad, this movie makes so much sense. You're just... You're not giving it a chance. <laughs> but he was just like the guardian angel. He would just show up. Nobody knew who he was. Like, he didn't yeah, have... A, until he got killed. He didn't have a name. <laughs> He never like directly interacted with Bond, but he was always there to give him a helping hand, and, <laughs> and then he got caught. Yeah, this movie has a lot of different sports in it that aren't in any other Bond movies or like other movies in general. Like Bond goes curling for a for a hot minute there, <laughs> he tries his hand at curling, <laughs> and at the end with that bobsled chase, that was pretty sweet, huh? So with the bobsled chase, like, I don't know, man. I don't know how bobsleds work. We're, I'm used to seeing the, them in the Olympics where you have to have multiple people in there. Mm-hmm. But, like, once they, like, get into the one and they're fighting, and then <laughs> he gets – Blofeld gets caught in the tree branch, like, yeah. like around his neck, and Bond's like uh, – Oh, he's branched out or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. That that line wasn't great. But he doesn't go back to see if he's dead. He's just like, well, I'm gonna go back to the hotel. We well, figured. <laughs> well, he, he figured he broke his neck. Yeah, but you gotta go back and check. You should have. <laughs> and uh, it came, just because it's Blofeld. I mean, if that was any other Bond movie and the villain wasn't Blofeld, that would be where he got killed. It came back to bite him in the ass because after they get married at the end. <laughs> They stop on the side of the road and Blofeld and uh, whatever, the German, Irma Bunt, Bunt, just come back and do a drive-by. I think they had a bad... Your eyes didn't start to water on that, Brad? They had a bad influence on the urban uh, community uh, in the 80s. (laughs) I just imagine the Crips and Bloods watching this movie and just like you know in the 80s you know seeing a a re-release or something and like hey guys i got an idea what if we 
just drove by and started shooting our enemies, and then just, you don't even stop. You just drive and shoot. That's a good idea. I think it was in Liver Let Die, the Roger Moore film you saw, kind of the black exploitation. But he's talking to Q. He's getting his gadgets from Q. Q's showing him different stuff, and there's a boombox that somebody you know, like people would hold up boomboxes in the seventies oh, and eighties, yeah. and. Uh, like a flap comes down from the end of it and a missile shoots out and blows somebody up. He goes, it's something we're making for the Americans. It's called a ghetto blaster. That's what they were called. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm starting to wonder if that was that in the live and let die. Cause that's 71 as that was the term ghetto blaster even actually, sorry, 73. Was the Ghetto Blaster term even around in 73, much less one of those big boom boxes? I don't know. It seems like late 70s. Right, like the, when hip-hop started up. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Maybe may it'll be in a future one that you see. You'll like that. <laughs> it's called a Ghetto Blaster. But they also, they love the slow crank in this movie with the hand, hand-to-hand fight scenes. I did think that the editing on the fight scenes, I liked it better than on, what was the last one that we watched? Thunderball? Thunderball, yeah. I thought that it was a little bit better. Like it still mm-hmm. had room for improvement, but uh, I thought that the fight scenes were edited better than in Thunderball. Yeah. It gets better throughout the movie. Because we're in the beginning on the beach, it's really slow cranked to shit. And there's like one or two fight scenes that, have less crank or no crank at all yeah. or slow crank. But, um, and they didn't use, yeah, this, uh, for the, like the car chases, they, they didn't use the rear projection for this one either. They actually had cameras yeah. in the car. Yeah. The action was a lot better. Um, but the car chases and car wrecks, especially on the ice, like cars flipping over and cars ramming each other. And yeah. it's like, well, this is like the first bond movie where you see that one of the first action movies ever to show that. Yeah, so that was a, that was an improvement. Mm-hmm. But and um, I, I like the scheme. Obviously, they still use reprojection for the close-ups, and then the avalanche. There is some really funny shit in there, especially right towards the end, when they're trying to show that Bond and um, Tracy are just in front of the. You know, the avalanche hasn't quite caught up to him yet. Right. There's a a very pulled back overhead shot. And it's supposed to be like a tiny Bond and tiny Tracy on the bottom of the screen. You can tell it's just a little like one or two inch tall toy. <laughs> it's some like loose snow that's just, but it's not even like moving basically. It's just sitting there while snow is coming behind it. It looks so fake. <laughs> uh, the rest of it was filmed pretty, pretty solid. I really like the, uh, the assault on the allergy center with the helicopters. It's kind of cool. Oh yeah, that was uh, sixty nine. That was something different. They have the because uh, they did the they did like the diehard beach or uh, lethal weapon beach scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Or I don't know. It's been in a few movies where they do the helicopter shooting into the windows. So that mm-hmm. was that was kind of cool to see. I almost shot Tracy right away. <laughs> That was her dad. Her dad's just like, let her rip. <laughs> but uh, so there's some cool stuff in there. But overall, I, you know, the story was kind of 
silly and uh yeah there are i could see parts you where not, it dragged um... and like one thing i've noticed about some of these bond movies is like they really take their time getting into like the main story and like they do a lot of stuff like that's at the beginning of the movie where it's like bond is kind of doing you know things that will eventually help him in the the mission later but it's like it's very small pieces of the scenes where he's just like doing his recreational stuff and it just like goes on and on and on and then like oh by the way we have a mission and oh look that person that you met in the first act is going to come along and be important in it um but (laughs) we need to see you go swimming or go to the casino or play golf or whatever Yeah, I can understand you not, you know, liking Lazenby much because it's not like he has a lot of charisma necessarily. I think I think he looks the part, but he, like I said, know, he's, he's not uh, he not a strong actor. He doesn't seem as uh, like masculine. Like he's not as you know alpha as Sean Connery's Bond was. He risked his ne- neck every night to sneak out of his room to go bang some broads. <laughs> And he was scheduling them back to back. You come over at seven, you come over at eight. <laughs> so he's definitely uh, being a real Chad that way. <laughs> That's true. It took him a long time to get there. And then once he got there, like half the time, he'd get cut off by those hypno messages that were uh, playing over. Yeah. Except for that one time when he went to the room, you know, after he scheduled all those women. You know, he, he went into the, the first room and it was that bunt lady waiting mm-hmm. for him. <laughs> that was pretty funny. So, But, uh, yeah, one more thing I got to bring up before we leave here is the racist dinner that they all had. <laughs> so everyone at the dinner, at least with Blofeld, everyone's eating what they're allergic to. Right because they've gotten over their allergy because of Blofeld. But it just so happens that the black woman is allergic to bananas. She just has a plate. It's just fucking three bananas sitting on it. That's her dinner. So she's just eating bananas. And then I saw the Asian girl was just eating rice. Right. It was just fried rice. Was that, That's what she was allergic to. And then the white woman is like, one was allergic to chicken. One was uh, potatoes, I think. Well, they, so like they all like random ones. But well, the like Irish the black one, oh, she can't eat bananas. <laughs> oh, that'd be horrible. <laughs> no, I, I think the Irish one couldn't eat uh, potatoes. Okay. And then the American one couldn't eat chicken. So, you know. <laughs> but I was like, whoa, the, the the bananas. I thought that was a little oof, yeesh. I think in the credits <laughs> they said she was Jamaican. Mm. So. But uh, I guess, yeah, everyone was supposed to be a different country, right? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, it seemed like a very strange meal that they had set up. Like, okay, you got over your allergy allergy of the thing, and now that's the only thing you eat? (laughs) At least for this meal. I don't know. Was that part of the hypnosis? You know, because he was going to send them all off to, (laughs) I don't know, karate fight somebody or something but it was based on his voice command 
Yeah, they're basically all a bunch of like assassins that were gonna. I forget what they were gonna do, but it was gonna you know destroy the world economy. It was like Zoolander. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else you wanted to bring up? We talked about a lot. No, I think we covered most, if not all, of it. Um, yeah, it's just a last resort for me. All right. Well. Uh, I'm not going to assign you a Bond movie next, but the next Bond movie I do assign you is going to be Diamonds Are Forever, which is uh, because Lazenby thought the 60s was going to go on forever and didn't want to shave his beard. He's like, this Bond thing's not going to last. I don't, I'm not going to shave my beard. Screw you guys. I'm not doing another Bond movie. So they paid Connery a million dollars to come back and do one more. And so it's Connery, an older Connery with a terrible hairpiece. And he goes to Vegas in this one. And it's a, not a good movie. It's very bad. But there's a lot of, I guess, comedic elements to it. You know, it's kind of hilariously bad, that type of thing. Yep. Basically, so I wonder if you'll actually like, like this one a lot. Because it's, <laughs> it's not a good one. But, you know, maybe you'll like the campiness of it, I guess. We'll see. But I don't know. Kanye did the theme song. Yep. <laughs> Look at it from this. Yeah, Shirley Bassey back for uh, her second. She did um, um, Goldfinger. And then this one, and then she does uh, Moonraker. Roger Moore one. Goldfinger was pretty good. I like the character Goldfinger. I wish they'd kept him around. Yeah. Well, don't There's more like fat villains coming up in the future. They're kind of Oafish, not oafish, but I don't know. I guess there's no like fat German ones. <laughs> well, he had some charisma, you know. And uh, in Thunderball, he was going up against like number four or something like that. And like, <laughs> like let's get to number the, two. Let's get to the main event. And then uh, you know they finally get to the number one guy and. Uh, honor, honor, honor Majesty's Secret Service, and it's inconclusive. So you're yeah. going to bring it back for uh, another round at some point. I'm sure you'll like Mantha Golden Gun because Christopher Lee's pretty charismatic. Yeah, that might be an improvement. Get a little variety in there. But all right, uh, other than that, I think that'll do it. We will check you later. Alright, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case.